Hello and welcome to the Road to the Garden podcast. I'm Matt St. Jean here with Tommy Godin and Michael DeRosa, who's back on the show here. Uh, it's February, guys. We're we're five weeks in five weeks' time. They're going to be playing games at MSG Thursday night of the Big East tournament. So this is it's getting here real quick. Next thing you know, that's going to be here. This is the final stretch. We got some good basketball, and uh, it's quite a Wednesday night of Big East hoops. That's for sure. There's nothing quite like it being February, and you've known for probably like two or three weeks that your team season is dead. So it's it's a great feeling. It's good to be which, back in Big East season, baby. Which which one of your teams, Michael? Both. <laughs> for the fans out there, Michael is a Butler and Georgetown fan. So we it's Punxsutawney Phil saw his shadow today. Six more weeks of winter, but it's always winter in the in the DeRosa dorm. Oh yeah, yeah. it's yep. <laughs> All right, we got some we got some recaps of uh, good Big East basketball, potentially the game of the year in the Big East last night. We're going to look ahead to the slate this weekend, and we're going to pick out uh, what we think are the, the biggest games remaining for each team left. We did that back in our team previews, what we thought the biggest games for each team were going to be. We're going to do it again here with five weeks left. That way you guys know down the, down the stretch here which games you should be looking for as the season rolls along. Just a reminder... Uh, if you're trying to go to any of the games we talk about, we've teamed up with SeatGeek this season to get you the best deals for tickets to your favorite teams. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, and they're here to give you some great deals. Get in on the fun and head over to SeatGeek, download the app, and use code NCAA Hoops Digest for $20 off your first purchase. And as always, this podcast is presented by House Enterprise in partnership with House of College Hoops. Head over, head over to our site house-enterprise.com for more info. Let's jump into this because that Xavier Providence game last night, that absolutely lived up to the billing as one of the best games in the Big East so far. Xavier jumps out to a 14-point lead. Providence comes back, takes the lead in the second half. Game goes to overtime. Xavier holds on there. 85-83 win. For the Musketeers, they break a three-game losing streak against Providence. Nunji, 23 points, 14 boards, his seventh double-double of the year. The fourth-ranked win for Xavier. They did it without Zach Fremantle. So, Tommy, I'm going to start with you here. Is Xavier the front-runner in the Big East after this win last night over the Friars? It's close. It's close. I'm still going to give it to Marquette. I think they're more of a complete team on offense. and I mean, their offenses are very similar, uh, but Marquette's defense is just so much better. Than Xavier's. I mean, Xavier, I'm, they proved they're the real deal with this win over Marquette. That was an insanely impressive win, uh, even without Zach Fremantle. So, yeah, um, Xavier's definitely the real deal. They're solidified in that top tier of teams in the Big East, but I think it's still Marquette's conference to lose. Yeah, I would tend to agree. Um, I, I, again, this defense for Xavier really scares me. Um, Xavier's awesome. Like, not trying to take anything away from them. They are an excellent yeah. basketball team. They're going to come into Hinkle in about a week and ish, and they're going to absolutely smoke the Bulldogs. So I'm not not trying to take anything away from them. But uh, I I trust this Marquette defense a little more, and the Fremantle injury takes away a little bit. That is just like Jerome Hunter's. He's a stud, but you still want depth when you're hitting this home stretch of conference play. So they can win it, but I I would lean towards Marquette personally. Yeah, the Zach Fremantle injury, I think, is really interesting here because I think you can make an argument not looking at the depth of the team, just lo- looking at the five on the floor. They might be better with Jerome Hunter out there than with Zach Fremantle because of what he does on defense. I think he allowed them to make some winning plays there that were huge. He was very good against Bryce Hopkins. Bryce Hopkins was just 3 of 14 from the field, one of his worst shooting games um, since he's been at Providence there. They did a really good job against him. And this is also, we, we talk about Xavier's defense. This is two two Wednesdays in a row now. They've gotten off to a huge lead because of the offense. They let a team back into it. They make plays at the end. And then the defense makes just enough plays down the stretch to hold on. So maybe the defense is doing just enough to get the job done. Yeah, definitely. I mean, watching that game, that uh Jared Bynum three-pointer, Matt, after what he did at Villanova, I didn't think that there was a chance that that shot was not going to go in. Um, but as for Providence, I mean, how about Noah Locke? Six of seven from three, 22 points. I mean, people were saying that Noah Locke couldn't shoot outside the 
the what, what is it called the amp the civic center the dunk whatever <laughs> he couldn't shoot outside of providence but i mean he shut those those critics up last night he certainly did I've got class from 6 to 8.30 on Wednesdays. And, of course, those are when all the good games happen. So if there's ever, like, a great game going on, just know that I missed it those days. It's great. <laughs> but I get back to my room. We got to let out a little early. And I see the Kunkel 3, like, immediately. And then Bynum lines up to shoot that. And where you're like, that's going in. I was like, no way. That thing is off by a mile. It banks. And I'm like, oh, of course it did. Of course it did. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. So Jared Bynum against Xavier now. Last year, he hit the buzzer beater at Cintas to give Providence the win. He hits the shot in triple overtime at the dunk at the end of last season to seal the game for the Friars. Then in this one, he hit he hit a buzzer beater before the half. He hits the bank in a shot to force overtime. So I guess he was due to finally miss one with the final shot there in overtime. But that just barely, that went in and out. So that was, that was super close. Uh, Michael, I want to I hear your thoughts on the, the Fremantle versus Hunter thing. How do you think that that looked? I thought it was really, it's matchup dependent, really. Like in this game, if you would have had tried to have Nunji or Fremantle on Bryce Hopkins, that's a mismatch. That's barbecue chicken alert. But you get him, you have Jerome Hunter on um, Bryce Hopkins. That's a decent matchup. I think it really depends on like certain games where Fremantle can attack inside and you can like put him on someone or put him or Nunji on someone and be like, yeah, this guy's not going to beat us. But in this game, I thought it, it was, I really liked the matchup. That was one of the reasons why when you changed your pick, I'm like, duh, that's the wrong move. And it's one yeah. of the very few we got right. Yeah, that and that uh, it ended up working out there. Here's the stat for you: the Friar shot 45% from deep and 42.9% from inside the arc Wednesday night. So it was the paint defense was there for Xavier in a way we haven't seen in a little bit. Um, I guess my question from this: Bryce Hopkins still a double double, but not not a very efficient one. Um, Tommy, do you think Providence fans should be concerned about this loss, or is, is there no reason for alarm here? No, no, no reason for alarm. Um, this is going into a, a – it's always tough to win on the road at the Big East, nevertheless, uh, the Cintas Center. So the, this Xavier team, like I just said, it, it's one of the teams that's cemented in that top tier of teams in the Big East. Um, Bryce Hopkins is still a player of the year candidate in the Big East, in my opinion. Um, like you said, it wasn't a very efficient double-double, but a double-double nonetheless. Um, no, this is this is not cause for – for concern for the Friars fans at all, in my opinion. Friars still sitting there at nine and three. Uh, they're one game back at a first place in the Big East right now. Marquette and Xavier there at ten and two. So they're they're right with the pack, seventeen and six on the season. I will note the Friars actually moved up in Ken Palm with this. Xavier moved down just by a tiny, tiny bit. But they liked what the Friars did. They actually outperformed the expectations there. So this is a Friars team that's much better in the computers than it was last season, which I think is very, very interesting. Um, less wins, but I'm sorry, less, yeah, less less wins, but less luck there. They're actually Providence is negative in luck now for the season after wow. this game. Wow, Maddie stats. Yeah, Maddie <laughs> <Matty> Stafford. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they call me, I guess. Uh, uh, let's let's move on to uh, to one of your two teams here, Michael. The, the Creighton Georgetown game. Creighton ends up winning this one, 63-53. This is five straight wins now for Creighton. Um, they allowed just fifty three points. That was two off from Georgetown's season low of fifty one, which they've done twice. Creighton also scored the second lowest that they have in the biggie. So a really weirdly low scoring game there between these two teams. But with five wins in a row now for Creighton, they're at eight and three in the Big East. Michael, do you think Creighton is for real? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I would like when we said earlier who's the front runner to win the Big East, I think it's Marquette. I am definitely not counting out this Creighton team. They're awesome. They have that, like the starting lineup, they have those five guys that I could make a damn good argument. That's the best lineup in the country of anyone. So, yeah, um, I I am not brave enough to step in front of this Creighton team. And their losses are at UConn when UConn was like them. At Xavier, they barely lost that game. And at Marquette in conference. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. I think you get a pass for those. I, those are – you're fine. They're, they're yeah. awesome. Yeah. Tommy, do you agree? Yeah, and I completely agree with what Michael said about the, the starting five um, being – up there, arguably, that's a debate for another day, but up there with one of the best in the country. My problem, why I still have Marquette slotted at that one spot 
is the depth for Creighton or lack thereof. Their starters play 31.12 minutes on average, and only two players on their bench play more than 10 minutes. Only reason I know that, I just did a preview for this game. I don't have it <laughs> off the top of my head. Um, but, yeah, I, they only have two players off the bench that have average double digits coming in. So I think that might burn them a little bit later on in the season. But right now, I mean, they're red hot, and I'm not looking forward. We'll talk about it later, but I'm not looking forward to the Villanova game on Saturday. Yeah, this is, it's a Creighton team that I think people overlooked them when they lost all those games, and it was just some real real bad luck, and losing Colt Brenner is tough. The depth is not there for them, but the starters are that good. This is, yeah. even with that losing streak, they are the 11th best team in Ken Palm right now. They're just outside the top 10, and I mean, the metrics really, really like what this team is able to do. Uh, they're very, very efficient. The defense is the best in the Big East and conference play only by a wide margin here too. So yeah, I, I like, I like Creighton a lot and I, they, they don't have any bad losses. The only team in the top four of the big East right now to have a loss that wasn't to another one of the teams in the top four in the big East was Xavier. And that was Xavier's loss at DePaul. Otherwise they all have clean sheets and Xavier ended up getting a sweep of UConn to make up for that kind of. So I think we'll see, uh, how, how Seton Hall and UConn end up playing these top four, I think will be huge to, to determine who actually ends up winning it from that group. I mean, some killers. I mean, these, the big East like this year is just of the four teams. It's like as good as, as good as it could possibly be these games. When you get games between these, one of these four, top four teams, and if UConn turns it back up to preseason form, we'll see if it happens, but top five electric they are, they are must watch games. Anything else at the bottom ones you're like, yeah, you can get missed. Well, here's, well, I guess here's my next question here. Do we start to put Seton Hall in this category a little bit? They just swept St. John's last night, the first time they've swept St. John's since 2020. They've won six out of their last seven. The one loss in there was a blowout home loss to Marquette. They really were not competitive for most of that game, but they came back from down 13 to beat St. John's. Meanwhile, like that was a St. John's team that – Andre Curbelo got ejected during the game, and there was a lot going on in that one. But we'll stay on. We're going to talk about St. John's after. So they came back from down 13. They came back from down 17 to beat UConn in that one. Is this a Seton Hall team that can make a run and get into the NCAA tournament? Tommy, do you think they can make that happen? I mean, they have three quad one wins right now. Last time I checked, they were on Joe Lenardi's next four out. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely. They have a couple games that they can really put them into that category where they could sneak into a next four in. Cause I don't, they're not going to win the big East tournament probably. Um, but yeah, I mean, they still got Creighton on their schedule, UConn, Xavier, Providence. Um, and if they beat up on Villanova twice, that could be, you know, th- those are still two quality wins for, for this Seton Hall team. So yeah, I, I think that they can definitely get in that large bid. Um, the, it's just picking up another quad one win or two. I remember I I said something like this, like a little while, geez, quite a while back. They had two quad one wins out of non-conference play. Like they beat Memphis on that banked in three. That's a decent Memphis team. And uh, I don't remember who the other win was. At, Rutgers. Uh, oh, yeah, at Rutgers. 45-43 at the rack. That's a top 20 Rutgers team that they won on the road. That's a huge – that win will – if they're like on like right there with someone else, it's like okay, you have a quad one A win, you're in the tournament. But uh, yeah, I still think they were like a win or two away from like being in the conversation to where like they're there. But like you look at the schedule they have coming up, home to Creighton at Villanova, that could that could be a big one at UConn revenge game for someone. Never mind, scratch that. Uh, home to Xavier revenge too. game for UConn. <laughs> yeah, uh, you see, dumb brain doesn't work sometimes. Sometimes I'm on. <laughs> Sometimes I'm way off, 50-50. But the schedule opens up for them. You win one big game, and I can put you in that elevated tier. They're right there. They're close. Completely agree. Yeah, and that's they have the opportunity. That's what the schedule allows them to do. they got to win some some home games. Um, I think ha- having the Friars close earlier this season and not being able to win that game is tough. They had Xavier close on the road there. They weren't able to win that one. I think those are ones – in conference play you'd want back and this team lost to Siena in non-conference right now which is one of the worst losses of any Big East team this year Georgetown beat Siena and Seton Hall was not able to get it done 
So that's that's what's hurting Seton Hall right now. They have that one. They probably they might need 500 record in quadrant one to make up for that. They're three and five right now. They have the same quad one record as Providence, but they have three quad two losses and a quad three loss, and that's where it gets dragged down. So you just you need to do better in quad one to make up for it, and I think you need to avoid some of the dumb losses down the stretch too. Yep. Speaking of speaking of dumb losses, St. John's. Andre Corbello, uh, it was a, it was a weak double technical, I think, that he got to get ejected in that game. But it was also kind of the I think a correct call. I don't think he realized he got the first one. I'm not sure what happened there, but he had a, he threw his glasses, and anytime that happens, you're going to get that. So he gets ejected. St. John's blows a lead here. The Red Storm are four and eight right now in the Big East. This is a team that some people were high on this year with some of the additions they made. Tommy, get ready over there. With Mike Anderson, is it time to hit the panic button in St. John's? It is time, Matt, to hit the <laughs> literal panic button on Mike Anderson and St. John's. I mean, yeah, I'm Are you gonna hit it? You gotta hit it. it. it it's, yeah, it's, come it's, on. It's you can't really tease loud. us like that. It's really loud. I, I got a bet off Amazon today. It's obnoxious. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, people were high on this St. John's team for good reason. I think they started the season like 11 and one or something. They had a lot of good players come in, uh, re Andre Curbelo. Um, but it's been AJ store of recent. That's really um, taken over for this St. John's team, which I don't think anybody saw coming. I mean, in the Villanova game, I was there, and I remember watching him in the first half. He had some like seven or eight straight points, and I was like, oh, we knew this kid could play, but he hasn't really gotten the chance. And Mike Anderson just inexplicably took him out, so he never got into a rhythm. He said he was tired at the end of the game, which is just whatever. Um, but, yeah, this this St. John's team, it, it, I hit the panic button, and for good reason. Um, Mike Anderson's seat is red hot, I have to say. I'd be pretty stunned if Mike Anderson isn't shown the door after the season. I don't understand how you could bring him back. Um, yeah, like just they. This is a team that has completely underperformed. You did yourself no favors in the non-conference by not scheduling like anyone half decent. And yeah, you have a guy AJ Store for who I, whoever the next coach is. AJ Store's if he stays is a guy who could be an all-conference player, junior, senior season. I love his game so much. Smooth shot, big. He's a bigger guard. He plays pretty smart. I, I really like his game. That is, that is if you are a St. John's fan, the one shining light is A.J. Store, and he's a star. And, so. and Joel Soriano, too, oh, yeah, in there. Too. But, he's, but he's not a guy that's coming back next year. He's not a part of your future plans. And I think that's all you're looking at right now for St. John's with the way that they've played. I think it's crazy. Andre Carbello, David Jones, those are the two big additions. You haven't seen both of them in the starting lineup together since December 28th. Are they, I mean, this has not lived up to the hype. And I mean, it's the, one of the things that stood out to me was I was at the St. John's Villanova game and it took me 10 minutes into the game before I realized that was David Jones on the floor. I just, you didn't notice that he was out there. It was totally forgettable. And the fact that he's become forgettable after what he did for DePaul, I think says a lot about what St. John's is doing. <laughs> Yeah, when we did our draft, the Big East players draft, I was going to draft David Jones instead of Javen Johnson. But I mean, if he can't start on St. John's team, he's not going to start on my on my All Big East team. <laughs> this is it, really- it is crazy the fall off from from DePaul. But I, I thought he was going to be one of the biggest impact transfers in the country, nevertheless, just the conference. Mike Anderson switching his like starting lineup reminds me a lot of like when NFL coaches like they're like, all right, well, crap, offensive coordinator, you got to go. I'm taking over play calling at the end of the season. And then it's like, yeah, you're, you're just getting yourself fired. Like just it's not <laughs> yeah. going to work, but more power to him. Good luck. Yeah, that's things not going well in Queens. But hey, Seton Hall is, is laying claim as New York City's team right now. <laughs> They're doing that, and that's that's not great. Uh, St. John's has a, a couple games coming up at MSG down the stretch, which I'm sure we're going to get to at some point. And uh, yeah, it's we'll see how many fans are actually in the building for those rooting for St. John's when that yeah, happens. Uh, at least St. John's fans. I know people will go to MSG, but I don't know how many are going to be wearing red. Yeah, yeah. All right, we got we got one more Wednesday night game to talk about here, then we'll briefly touch on the Tuesday one. But I think 
we want to hear your thoughts on this, Tommy. Marquette defeats Villanova 73-64. The Cats now 0-2 since Justin Moore came back. From my from my eye, Villanova looks much better than the team we saw before, but it's very hard to beat Providence this year, and it's very hard to go on the road beat Marquette this year, and that's the hole that the Wildcats have dug themselves. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, before the season started, before the schedule even came out, these were circled as tough games, as is their next one. Um, so it, it, it's always tough, Marquette and Providence, right when Justin Moore comes back. And you're right, they have looked better. Their defense has gotten better. Their offense is, I mean, just having Justin Moore out there opens up the floor for so many other people like Cam Whitmore. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's they look better, but it's too late in the year for moral victories uh, for Villanova. They does nothing for them right now silver linings do nothing for Villanova they need to start winning some of these games they need to start stealing some of these games they're not supposed to win at Creighton they're probably not going to win at Creighton but if they could steal that win that would go so far for not just for the standings the BS the seating whatever just for the morale of the team just knowing that they can go out on the road and do it and and compete with one of these top teams in the conference would go so far for this Villanova team when I look back on the run that that Patrick Ewing Georgetown team went on that got him like $3 billion in another 18 years on his contract, that run started like right about now. And if you're Villanova, the way you're making the tournament is you're winning the Big East tournament. Maybe if they went out in like for the rest of the season, they can steal that large bid. Maybe. i not a bracketologist. It's probably easy, it's easier to win four games at MSG than yeah. to win out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I feel like this, if you want to start momentum to – having that run, which with the talent on this team is possible, you have to start as soon as possible. Like, big game at Creighton. But after that, DePaul, Seton Hall, Butler, all at home, those are three winnable games. You need to do something to build that momentum to make that run. Yeah, and I think Tommy's correct here in that you need you just need to get the morale up too. Because, I mean, Kyle Neptune, this year has not gone as anybody hoped, but they haven't had the starting lineup that they want together for a single game this year between Cam Whitmore being hurt, Justin Moore being hurt, Jordan Longino being hurt. Ideally, you'd have all of those guys in there, and they've all missed time, and it's overlapped. So this has not been what Kyle Neptune hoped, and I think you just want to get things going in the right direction for the program, for some kind of postseason play, to build momentum in the next year, to see development. Mark Armstrong is a guy that will be around next year. So you want to see him start to take some of those next steps and – become a guy who can be a first or second team um, all big East player for them next year. Yeah. I mean, the, all these, all these clowns, frankly, on, on Twitter, these idiots, the hashtag fire Neptune movement is, is idiotic. I mean, he's been dealt the hand. I mean, the, things haven't gone the way we want them to. I'm no one's denying that, but the cards that he's dealt, I mean, I think he's done an okay job with, I mean, anyone would have, trouble with I mean his star freshman broke his hand Justin Moore was a little bit longer than expected to come back uh Brizzy transferred Longino's had two separate injuries I, I mean the list goes on so it's been tough for Kyle Neptune in his first year he's not going anywhere um we would like to see improvement though and next year I think he it doesn't look good on paper right now but like you said Matt he could be built for success Mark Armstrong turning into that guy that main point guard uh, this is going to be a big summer for him. Justin Moore, he still has a year of eligibility left. He's only been there for four does years. He, does he really? He does. Oh my God. He does. So next year, we're looking at a backcourt possibility. Look at Michael. <laughs> <laughs> How do these guys stay in college for like 10 years? <laughs> There's a possibility that we have a backcourt of Mark Armstrong, Justin Moore, and Jordan Longino. Next year with Eric Dixon in the middle. And I mean, we can. Eric Dixon has another year? Yeah, he's still here with the. What? Hey, he sure does. Oh, come on. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing. I feel like the Big East has a ton of bigs that are just like not NBA style bigs. So all of these guys are going to play a full four years or whatever they have left. Sonogo, Kalkbrenner. Yeah. They're, they're all here next year. So, yeah, a lot of that. So, um, yeah, no, it's we'll see what happens here down the stretch. For Kyle Neptune, flip side of things, Marquette, another home win. They end the game on a 12-2 run. Colette gives you 20.6 assists. I think we kind of already talked about Marquette in this conversation next year, so I don't know how much there is to add. 
um, or earlier in the show, we talked about what they can do down the stretch. But yeah, this is this is what you wanted to see from the Golden Eagles last night. They kept things going the way they will, and they got a, they got another one coming up this weekend. I'll just t- we'll touch on the Tuesday game here briefly. I don't think anything particularly notable happened other than UConn kind of getting back in gear. Huskies go on the road at DePaul. They win 90-76. to They don't get tripped up the same way Xavier did earlier this season. This is a win UConn really just needed to get by any means. Michael, do you have any takeaways from this on UConn? They just need to build momentum. Just that's that's really it. Just this was a win. Hopefully it's a building block. Hopefully you can get back to some semblance of that team that was early season. But they look so much worse. They are I I it it looks like two different teams. So hopefully that maybe they can build momentum and win a game in the tournament. I if I remember correctly, I remember on an old show, someone's and that someone's gonna be me. Might have to find it. But I believe someone said, I guarantee you UConn's gonna win a game in the tournament this year. And well, that's a take because now they've kind of fallen off. You could be in that like six, seven seed range and you can get picked off by a team that's hot. So that someone should be sweating. Someone should be. Yeah. Our detectives <laughs> on it right now. Michael's yeah. a bloodhound after this. On oh, the yeah. way to go yeah. to the YouTube archives. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's let's keep it going with uh with UConn here. Cause they're our first game up this weekend in the previews. Um, which this is this is not the best Big East slate this weekend. It's going to start Saturday afternoon, the noon game on FS1, UConn at Georgetown. This is interesting to me in that Georgetown gave UConn a game when they played up in stores earlier. I believe that was at stores. or it was, I don't remember if that was at Gamble or at Excel. But they came earlier this season. Georgetown gave them a game. Now they're back at home. We've seen teams in the Big East get tripped up on the road before. We saw UConn do it at Seton Hall. We saw Xavier do it at DePaul. Tommy, do you think it can happen here? Can UConn lose this one? No. No, I don't think so. <laughs> for, for as bad as they've been, um, th- this would be just a whole nother level. Um, and I, I'm, it, it's almost getting boring just beating this dead horse that is Georgetown over and over again because they're not a bad team you know quote unquote they, they have talent on this team they don't have coaching so i mean george no no uconn's not gonna lose I, i'm gonna save it here uconn's not gonna lose i think this game could be secret fun that's my big takeaway but uconn's not losing uh the crowd will if it exists will be more uconn fans and georgetown fans i can tell you that much if the Capital One Arena, the bank, whenever Georgetown plays, is dead. There are like eight people there. They're just like chilling, like laying back, like, you know, half asleep. It's like, yeah, all right, well. But if I'm a Georgetown fan, which I grew up one, so yes, this is the most excited I've been about Georgetown basketball in a while because Ewing's got to go. Like, the, you have – he's gone. See ya. Bye. Hopefully you can bring someone else in and they can – new energy. That This program is needing new energy – for three years. And somehow they made that big run. That was a ton of fun, but nobody, and then you watch the Colorado game. You're like, all right, yep. Same old, same old. And DeGoya is like, Oh, oh, we're back, baby. 10 years Ewing. So it's like, all right, that was a stooge decision, but they got to, got to bring someone else in new energy. This roster is talent. You can keep some of it. You're looking pretty good. Looking pretty good. It's a 16 point spread. According to Ken Palm, does Georgetown cover? I like the 16 a lot. I think Georgetown, if it's 16, if it opens at 16, that's insane. Georgetown should cover that 16. Yeah. I'm, I would, just, I would. I'm, I'm going off the Ken Palm one here. We don't have an actual line yet. Yeah. Yeah. 16 was, points as home underdogs in a conference game. It's so disrespectful. Even lot. if it is Georgetown. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd take 16. But then again, I said I'd take DePaul plus 11 against UConn. And, and look how that turned out. So did not get it. I'll take I'll take Georgetown to cover UConn to win in this one. I think that feels like the safer bet. On to the next one. Game immediately after this on FS1. We're heading up to Milwaukee. It's your other team, Michael Butler at Marquette. Their first meeting this season. When you combine what Butler has looked like recently and especially on the road, and um, as Tommy's getting the panic button ready over there, and how Marquette has been at home. Is there any shot for Thad Mata and the Bulldogs? 
Uh, first of all, I hit that panic button like after the Providence game. I that was it. That was like the season for me. That was at that point. I'm like, well, I'm just a loser. I'm an addicted loser. But looking at shout out Bart Torvik, uh, you can sort like dates and whatnot. Since conference play began, or at least the day I remember, the 17th of December, Marquette is the best offense in the country. Pretty good. That's pretty good. We scroll down. Control F. Butler 311th in defense. Offense. Offense? Oh, this boy. This team cannot, for the life of them, score on anyone. They can't do it. They can't do it. They can't do it. Nobody loves a contested mid-range jumper more than this team. It's And no Chuck Harris for this game, too. Like, well, not official, but if he played, I'd be more than stunned. Don't. Don't play him. Don't. Don't. Yeah. Uh, this game is not going to be close. It's just a matter of does Marquette win by 25 or 30. And I lean towards 30. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you, Michael. I don't I don't see this one being close. Tommy, are you are we going three for three here? Yeah, we're three for three. Yeah. And it's are we getting close to panic button time on Thad Motto here? Yes. Because I it's just the roster is more talented than last year's roster. It is. Mm-hmm. It should be better offensively, and they are worse. I think you're as Tommy said with Kyle Neptune, you are insane to not let him get his guys in there. Because if you're talking great coaches from the 2000s, you mentioned the St. Mike's, you mentioned the that old bastard at Syracuse, and he gets <laughs> down to like your Bill Selfs, whatnot. Then tier two, Thad Mott is right there. He is right there. So you you should give him a chance. But there have been some, and granted, I think these are also insane rumors, but there's something like, what if he's like just realized, yeah, you know, I'm not cut out for this, something. that In that sense, you could think, oh, maybe not. And if so, Grant McCaslin's a guy. But uh I, you got to let him get his guys in there. Finley Bizjack's coming in. Uh, he looks like a stud as a, for a freshman. I really like him. Coach Mata didn't get really a big chance to hit the portal well. He was hired very late in the cycle. That's on the AD. You, If you're going to get rid of a coach, you need to get immediately and hit the portal immediately. So he ha- he'll have a full offseason to work in the portal. He'll have some recruits coming in. He'll get his guys in. Some guys are obviously going to leave when a season like this happens. But – there, there is in my mind. There is some like the players are getting too much hate. Some, some of this is definitely on the coach. So, yeah, be patient. But yeah, and so sometimes this is just this is just the way it goes. So I think cleaning house a little bit with some of the players probably helps Butler and letting some of the guys go, getting some of the right guys in there. We'll see. Uh, let's let's move on through the Saturday slot into the evening here. Back-to-back national games Saturday evening, which I think is really interesting. Back-to-back Fox slot. And it's going to start at 5 o'clock Eastern time. St. John's at Xavier. This is an interesting game to me. Because it was somewhat close when St. John's played at uh, played Xavier at home. They made it close at the end. They made the score at least look good. I look at St. John's as a team that I think can harass teams and will play at such a pace that they're going to give up a ton of points to Xavier, but it almost won't matter. And their pace may give Xavier's depth some issues. I think this game could be close. I think, I don't know. Is it, Tommy, how are we feeling on this one? Do you think Xavier's going to end up losing at home to St. John's? Do I think Xavier's going to lose at home to St. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I do not um, at all. St. John's isn't, top 100 in offense or defense oh i'm sorry they're a hundred yeah they're 100 on the dot um (laughs) (laughs) my apologies um but yeah no no savior's offense is so so good it's right up there with marquette um and saint john's defense was supposed to be their bread and butter but i don't they don't have any bread or butter right now with <laughs> at the helm. It's they're a team searching for an identity in the middle of conference play, which is just not a recipe for success. Michael, you agree? Uh, yeah, th- I think this is a blowout written all over it. Uh, this was the first game was the all access broadcast, and you could just see Sean Miller was just like dissecting this defense. He's like, all right, if you flash here, boom. Boom, easy layup, stuff like that. Xavier just got easy look after easy look after easy look after easy look. And Mike Anderson is just in the huddle like, guys, <laughs> we got to move. If I had a nickel for every time he yelled move, I'd be able to afford Patrick Ewing's buyout. <laughs> that's a good line. That's, that's a good one. That's a good one. We'll, we'll, say, we'll clip that one for Twitter. <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah, this blowout. I don't think this game's close. Blowout. See, see, I think this one has really interesting potential. 
because of the fact that Xavier's coming off a very emotional, hard-fought, late-night game there, well, end up going late with overtime against Providence. This is where you can get kind of a letdown performance. We saw St. John's go on the road and beat UConn earlier this year, and it's a St. John's team that's so up and down. This is down this last game, and I don't want to overreact too much to that. Uh, I still think Xavier wins this one, but St. John's giving them a game would not surprise me at all. Again, especially with Fremantle out. Like, this is a game where losing him hurts somebody who can space the floor and take advantage of the space that St. John's is, is already going to be giving you. I, I look at the St. John's, yeah, I just kind of think they're dead. Like they, it's just the effort just is like, if they were like, if they were like a four and eight, but they had like a ton of energy and like, I could buy into that. I could see it, but I just, I, I just don't know if the energy around the program is just anything to buy into. Yeah. Yeah, That's especially the the Andre Corbello situation is always a question mark for them. (laughs) On to the late slot. Uh, Tommy, this is your Villanova team on the road here at Creighton, 730 Eastern time. Uh, This is another national one. These two teams have a little bit of history here. Uh, This is a game I think we had circled back in, October, November, doesn't quite feel like it has the same importance it did when we circled it. But is this, can Villanova finally get over the hump here? I sure hope so. I definitely sure hope so. I mean, this is a a Creighton team that I think is better than the Creighton team that came out of Maui that beat Arkansas and Texas Tech. Um, I mean, they are, they're starting five as top five in the country, like we already talked about. But yeah, this is going to be a tough one for Villanova going into the CHI Health Center. Omaha, I mean, any road game is going to be tough, but their game about Marquette, their game against Marquette, I don't know where I got that from, their game against Marquette gave me a lot of things to be encouraged about. I thought that game was going to be non-competitive, um, and they were tied at the under-four-minute timeout. So uh, if it's a close game, I, I don't like Villanova on the road. If it's a shootout, I don't like Villanova on the road. Um, I just don't like them on the road in general, but I think Creighton's lack of depth is is glaring. I think our freshmen, Villanova's freshmen, need to take advantage of that off the bench, particularly Mark Armstrong and Brendan Housen. You saw Brendan Housen with 12 points, three of four off the bench from three against that Marquette team. Um, sometimes we need a spark on the offensive end, as any team does, and Brendan Housen coming in off the bench and doing that. House athlete, Brendan Housen, yeah. by the way. Got to throw that plug in there. Um, coming in off the bench and doing that, um, that could be huge. That could be huge for this team. Um, they're going to have to lock in on defense. It's going to be tough, but I like Creighton in a game that's a little bit closer than um, what everyone else is probably going to say. I agree with about every single word he said. I think this game's going to be close. I think it's going to be competitive. I think it's going to be – a really fun game to watch, but not necessarily super fast paced. I think Nova's going to be able to control the pace and got the guard matchup. in this one is awesome. I love watching Ryan Nemhard play so much. I love his game so much. Him, Tyler Kolek, like just some guards in this conference that I just love to watch play. And if you get Justin Moore on, like he doesn't look like he's back back, but he's, he's getting there. And when he's on, he's also just awesome to watch. And when, if Mark Armstrong's going, he's a ton of fun too. Uh, I, 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 Gonna, I think this is the best game of the weekend slate. Um, I think it's gonna be very close, very competitive. I think Creighton pulls away in the end. I just trust their pieces. Um, but I, I, I think this Nova team is gonna be they're gonna be scary to play at the end of the season because those numbers on Nova, like the net ranking, it's like, yeah, if that net ranking's pre Justin Moore, you bring in one of the best players in the conference, it's like, up, oh, that's that's a team that's better than their numbers say. So they're a scary team to go up against, but I think Creighton nudges it out in the end yeah i'm this is an intriguing matchup for me i'm gonna take creighton here i think the difference maker kind of ends up being ryan kalkbrenner there just because i think what he can do to villanova's guards when they try to drive is gonna be it's gonna make things really difficult for villanova on offense i think this will be a very low scoring game as a result and if it ends up being a low scoring game then it's just a couple possessions. I like Creighton's odds of scoring against Villanova way better than Villanova's odds of scoring against Creighton, especially with what Villanova's defense has looked like. And I think Cam Whitmore could have a good game here. Cam Whitmore against Arthur Kaluma, I think it becomes very intriguing to watch. 
I think at just about all the other spots in the lineup, though, Creighton has a slight advantage. And then in Colorado, it's probably a pretty big advantage there at center. So I'm going to take Creighton, especially at home. And I think this is going to be three hard-fought, close losses for Villanova. People are going to be writing them off based on record in a way that just doesn't match the performance we've seen from them since Moore came back. And then they come home. They, they're they going to get three losses in a row. On One of them was at home, two in the Midwest. Then they come home. They get DePaul, Seton Hall, Butler all at home. So very I mean, interesting stretch there. That's, that's yeah. a huge stretch. Momentum right there. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got one final game of the weekend, and we're gonna we're gonna look ahead to the rest of the year. DePaul at Seton Hall. This is on Sunday noon. Fox Sports One. Um, Seton Hall trying to keep this these winning ways going, trying to make it seven of eight. Tommy, do they make it seven of eight on Sunday? They do. In what Michael described um, St. John's as kind of just dead in the water, kind of the enthusiasm just isn't there. The energy that they had after they beat Villanova. I mean, you saw the crowd when they beat Villanova. They were into it the next game. Marquette came to town. Um, the crowd, albeit there were a lot of Marquette fans there, the crowd was really into it. Um, and then you lose to Georgetown, and it's just like, come on. It, it's – they're lackadaisical right now. They just got blown out by UConn. Um, I think Seton Hall takes care of business here. I think this is an ugly, 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 ugly game. And Seton Hall just wins those. They're see yeah. that's a team. They're gonna Seton Hall's gonna win the 50-50 battle. They're gonna win the battle on the glass. They're gonna they're gonna kill them on the glass. That's that's the key to this game. If DePaul can rebound, they can probably hang with the Seton Hall team. But Seton Hall is so good on that on the glass. They win all those little battles. Seton Hall is just going to win one of those old – like that Shaheen Holloway game. They're, that's how they come through in this one. I, I agree. Yeah, fully agreed with all of that. Seton Hall should win this one. They are the better team. Um, we'll see if it ends up playing out like that. We've seen DePaul play spoiler before. But, yeah, Seton Hall should do this. That's, that's this weekend's games. Now we're going to go ahead here for the last I don't know, 15 minutes or so of this episode. We want to go through all the teams in the Big East and say what we think is I don't know, most important, the biggest game left for them. And uh, we'll quickly say why we, why we think that is. Just to kind of give you guys some dates to watch out for. These are dates you can mark down on your calendar. So if you're saying, hey, I want to, I want to watch one game of this team to see where they're at, this is the game you should watch. This is what's important for them. I think we're going to start at the we'll start at the bottom of the standings right now with Georgetown. Uh, I don't know which one of you guys wants to go first for this. I have my my picks ready to go. Uh, Michael, you're the Georgetown guy. We'll start with you for this one. What do you think is Georgetown's most important game the rest of the way? Yeah, George. I mean, you know, when you think Georgetown basketball, you're like you're so excited about it. like just watching them play this year. They're <laughs> they're actually a fun team to watch, to be fair. But when I'm looking at their most important game, I'm looking at Saturday, March 11th. You're like, wait, on the schedule, that, that's not there. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference Tournament Championship game. If Slick Rick's in that game, and if he loses that game, you make that call immediately. That, the second <laughs> that game ends, you call him right there. Right then and there, Slick Rick, hey, first time, long time, do you want to come be our coach? That's it. Right there. That is the most important game on Georgetown season. Right there. <laughs> that's electric right there. I love that. That would be, that'd be huge. Uh, Tommy, what do you have? That's an electric pick. Yeah, that's why we bring Michael on this show, just to bring that energy. Um, Georgetown is a team that has that energy. Um, and again, beating a dead horse, St. John's is one that does not. So I'm going to go with the February 22nd matchup. A little late night action, little 9 p.m. Eastern time, Georgetown, St. John's. I think Georgetown's fun to watch. I think they're excited. They just got a taste of what winning is, and they want to do that again. They're at home taking on this St. John's team. Um but let, let them get a win. Let a couple of the guys say, hey, maybe I won't transfer. Maybe I'll see who they bring in before I transfer. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with the St. John's. I like that pick. I'm going with the game of Butler, February 19th. Butler has been the worst team in the Big East by efficiency so far in conference play. And they killed Georgetown the first time these two teams met. So I actually, I have this, spoiler alert, I have this is the most important game for both of these teams because I think both of these teams need to find a way to win this game and it'll be intense because of that. I don't think it'll be high quality basketball. Both teams need it. So I'm going Georgetown at Butler, February 19th. We'll move on, 
move on up the standings to DePaul. Tommy, what do you think is the most important one for DePaul? Well, with DePaul, the road to the Garden uh, is uh, <laughs> it's an uphill battle um, for them with their record. I mean, l- listen to their remaining schedule real quick. Seton Hall, Villanova, St. John's, and then they have Xavier, Butler, Marquette, UConn, Creighton. The end of that, their end of their schedule is absolutely a gauntlet, and Butler's in there, so that's gonna be my that's gonna be my my game of of the year for this DePaul team. They need to win that Butler team because Georgetown, like I said, they got a taste of winning. They know what it's like. They want to do that again. They're in jeopardy. I mean, I, I, it's a three team race, but they're in jeopardy of of falling into that eleven spot. I doubt it's gonna happen, but it could with the gauntlet that they have left. So yeah, they need that Butler win. I'm going to go with Butler game. Yeah, Butler game. Uh, I, here's a take. Uh, watching this, I was in denial, but I kind of thought DePaul was the better team the first time these two teams played. Eric Hunter just hit some really tough shots, and Butler came through. Um, I think DePaul, this is their most important game. I think they win this game, too. Yeah, this is the game. We're unanimous. We all picked. We all picked the same one here. <laughs> And we didn't we didn't talk about any of this beforehand. So yeah, DePaul Butler two twenty two. That's the that's the big one there. Speaking of Butler, I've mentioned them twice here. I'll, you know, I'll start this out because I already I already said what mine was for Butler, and it's the game against Georgetown at two nineteen. It's at home. It's a game you really should win. They might not win any other games the rest of the way, the way that they've played, but that's one they can win, and they can sweep Georgetown this year. I think that would be huge. I think losing to Georgetown at home would be really tough for that program. At this point, you got to find a way to get that one done. Tommy? I'm actually going to go with one that's coming up here uh, next Tuesday, the St. John's game. I, I feel like these are two teams that it's kind of you know hard to get out of bed in the morning to watch either of these two, Butler or St. John's. Um, I feel like if Butler wants it, if Butler really, really, um, you know, just wants to win uh, a little bit more than St. John's, they're going to have to get up for this game because um, St. John's isn't a bad team and Butler's at Henkel. can't really lose that because the rest of the schedule is murky. I think it's a Georgetown game. Um, I think that's the one that their best chance of winning is this. They have not looked good in this last stretch. They've looked really really bad they're another team that i will i called them dead in whenever they lost that providence game i believe it or not i stand by that pick uh the one game they could win at this season is the georgian game and at this point i don't think they do so that's the game all right that's yeah that's the pick there move on up now now we're out of the bottom three so we're getting a little bit more interesting here st john's they said they don't have a lot of energy Let's let's look at the schedule ahead, Michael. We'll circle back to you on this one. What do you think is the most important game left for Mike Anderson? This one's tough. Like I, jeez, I, I have no idea. I'm gonna the Providence game could be fun. You know what? No one else is gonna pick it. I'll take the Providence game. I don't know. You get Providence guards get in their heads. Just a couple turnovers. The Saint John's they played them close. Like they played yeah. them close in the first game. They can do it again. Why not? They yeah. can do it again. It'll be yeah. a weird, weird game if it's competitive, but you win that one, maybe you can make a big-time NIT run. Tommy? Yeah, big-time NIT run. I just got that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, for mine, I, I'm, I'm kind of going off what, what Michael's doing here a little bit. I feel like we've, we're have just going at the, the winnable games. I want to do a little bit – more of a fun one. I'm going to go February 25th. That's Mag's birthday. Shout out my girlfriend. Um, UConn comes to town to play St. John's. They kept it very close last time. I want to see if that was an aberration or if they really are a team that can compete with uh, one of these middle to top teams in the Big East. That's actually, that was exactly my pick too. That game's at MSG. Uh, both of the games we picked are at MSG here, the Providence and UConn ones, which I think is as part of this. I think you want to see UConn start to get fans, sorry, St. John's start to get fans back in that building and uh, kind of claim it as a St. John's home venue and not uh, when UConn comes to town. When that game happened last year, way more UConn fans than St. John's ones. And it's probably going to be the case on February 25th. But if you can, you can find a way to win that one, sweep UConn, that's huge for where this program is at. And 
you get to play an MSG, you always want to win that one. That's that's something St. John's really wants to do here. So that, that's what I've got, 225. Mark that one down. St. John's did already have a game at MSG. They lost. That was to Villanova. They're next up here. And Tommy, I want to hear what you think about this. What's the most important game for the Cats? I'm going to go right back to my lady's birthday, 225. I think it's going to be the Creighton game. They're hosting uh, – Villanova's hosting Creighton. Historic – I mean, Creighton only has six wins against Villanova since 1950. But historically, they don't do well in um, Villanova's home stadium. So Villanova needs to pick up one of these quad one wins down the stretch. They have a couple on their schedule. I think UConn would have been a layup of a choice. We could do that one. Xavier on the road is going to be tough. Providence at the Amps is going to be tough. Um, I think this is their best chance at getting a quad one win uh, other than that UConn game. Actually, no, I'm changing my pick to UConn because I, I just I don't I don't like UConn. So I, I would like <laughs> to keep going over beat UConn from a personal standpoint. So yeah, UConn. That's my pick. All right. Michael? You stole my pick. Come on. Like that's so that's that's unfair. Oh yeah, I'm gonna change it. I don't like UConn. It's the UConn game. Build momentum. You want to build momentum into into the garden? You beat UConn. That's how you do it. UConn. Inter- All right, I'm going I'm going in a different direction here. I've got the home game against Seton Hall on February 11th because I think Seton Hall right now is the middle class of the Big East, and I think that's kind of attainable here for Villanova. You win that home game, that's where you can start to get a little bit of momentum going the right way, and I think that's also one that if you lose that one, that is a huge difference maker for which where you're going to be in the standings and how you feel going into the next season. I think that's one you really, really want to have. Uh, somehow next up here in the standings is that UConn team we've been talking about right in the middle of the Big East standings at this point. Sixth in the Big East, sixth in Ken Palm still. Michael, we'll come back to you. What's the most important game for the Huskies? I'm down to, you're down to two. I think there are two huge games. At the end, I'm going to go with the Providence game, 222, 630. Uh, I think if you, again, I'm going to talk, I said the word momentum like 100 times, 101 now. I, UConn needs to build momentum. Uh, if they want to become that team, they're into the tournament. They're going to need to build momentum, win some games. And you win that Providence game, then you end the season at St. John's, first to Paul at Villanova, win three of those four. You're on a decent little run, win a game in MSG, get a tournament like a whatever seed you get, try to win that first game, try to make some magic, one game, one game at a time. I think you can start a little run at the end of the season with that Providence game. Yeah. I know we're running short on time, and Michael said literally everything that I was going to say. So, yeah, that was my pick, uh, Providence. Yeah, uh, that's where I had, too. Uh, did you guys see the – I believe it was the was it No Escalators who had uh, – one of the Husky accounts was – it, was it No Escalators that it did was. the whole – they did a fan survey of who's the most hated team in the Big East. Uh, the thing you take away from it is basically just Providence and UConn fans hate each other, yep. just detest each other. It is a great rivalry game. Um, they only met once last season and it was at UConn and the Friars won that one. So getting back into that building, I mean, this is one UConn really wants to have. This is a, uh, a split UConn needs. And yeah, you got to defend the home building, especially after getting swept by Xavier. You can't get swept by Xavier and Providence in one season if you're Dan Hurley after the start you had. So this this becomes huge for the Huskies down the stretch. That's 222 move on to the, one of the teams UConn lost to this year, and that's Seton Hall. Seton Hall above them in the standings at this point. Tommy, what's the most important game for the Pirates down the stretch? Just could you imagine doing this later and in the beginning, like going into conference play, Seton Hall would be above UConn in the Big East standings in February? Like, It's crazy. Just insanity. Um for Seton Hall, I'm going to go with the one that you chose for Villanova uh, on the road at Villanova. I think they – oh, see you later, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, uh, like you said, Villanova is – or Seton Hall is in that middle pack of teams in the Big East. Um, they need to separate themselves a little bit. I think beating Villanova would do that. Interesting. That's, we, we lost Michael here for the audio listener. So if he comes back in, we'll get his pick – uh, for Seton Hall, I've got the home game against Xavier. I look at the game against Marquette as one where they played a top-tier offense and really couldn't stay competitive in it. You get Xavier at home, you get another chance against a top-tier offense. They played Xavier competitively on the road, had a shot to tie that game late as uh, he Michael returns to the show here. Um, 
Yeah, I'm going to Seton Hall versus if you're on 224 Friday night there at the end of February. I think that becomes a very interesting matchup for the Pirates. Michael, can you hear us? Uh, sitting on the floor, my uh, computer died, and the only outlet in this classroom that I'm in, at least the one that I see, is on the floor. So we're on the floor for the rest of the day, baby. Let's go. Let's go. All right. What's your uh, what's your Seton Hall pick for most important game left? Yep. So uh, this was uh, this is how you this is what we call expert entertainment right here. I looked at the net rankings, scrolled down. Who is ranked higher? Home games. You go down to two. Creighton or Xavier? I saw Creighton first. Creighton. <laughs> Which date is that? The Creighton game is two uh, eight. So coming up. About a week away. Uh, Got to win that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's huge there. Now we're into the top four. I think this is where the stuff gets really, really, really interesting. Creighton is first up here. I want I'm I like my pick for this one, but I think you could go in a couple different ways. Tommy, which way are you going with it? I am going to go with the Valentine's Day matchup against Providence. Um Creighton's won, what is it, five in a row now? Uh they got Villanova, then Seton Hall, then UConn. They have a real chance of winning eight in a row going into this matchup. They will be ranked most likely. I mean, they're receiving votes right now if they win three in a row. Um, all things are pointing towards that. Uh, the AMP is where ranked teams come to die. Um, if Creighton wants to push for one of those higher seeds, they want to prove to everyone that they're back, they're going to have to go on the road and beat one of the big dogs. Uh, give me the Providence game. That's going to be the pink out for the Friars, too, on Valentine's Day. And that's not a game. They lost that game for only the first time ever last year against Villanova. That's a game they usually win. We'll see what happens there. Michael, are you picking that or are you going somewhere else? That's a good one. I like that one. I'm going to go somewhere else, though, just because I like being different. Uh, the Marquette game, week later, 221, defend home court. That arena is going to be popping. That's a good Marquette team. That game's going to be fast-paced, tons of offense. I'm very excited for that one. You can't really go wrong at this point. Uh, your pick was great. Uh, this is just what I went with. I actually went the same way, Michael. They didn't have Kalkbrenner for the first meeting, so I want I want to see how that one looks now that Kalkbrenner's back in it at home. 221, huge one there for Creighton. Now we're down to my Friars. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is the latest of any of the games that I have in here for, for my pick for Providence. I want to hear... Michael, I th- we're going to come back to you on this one if you're ready for it. What do you have for Xavier? For Xavier? Yeah. Born ready. Uh, let's look. Xavier schedule uh, going off the dome piece. Uh, Providence game. Done. Seems fun. <laughs> let's ride. <laughs> Tommy? <laughs> Providence game. Let's ride. <laughs> I'm also taking that Friars game. 3-1 last week. <laughs> Season. This is a spot where Xavier's kind of struggled the last couple of years. They've lost at Providence late in the season, three years in a row here. They got a chance to sweep Providence now. Get a we got a rematch of what was arguably the game of the year in Big East play last night. I think that's the easy pick there. Now it's now it's the oh wait, did I say for Xavier? Oh, yeah. I meant to say for, for Providence. Yeah, you, tricked I have, sorry, you tricked me. I have I'm sorry, I have that one for Providence. So that was my pick. So I want to hear your Providence picks, and then I'll give my Xavier one. <laughs> uh, for Providence, I'm going to go with the Villanova game. Um, I I wrote about it in my in my preview today. Um, although this is like a down year for Villanova, that target that they've been building on their back for like the last decade is still very much there. Um, going into the AMP, Villanova is going to be a much better team than they were even when we just saw them last week. Um, I think Villanova coming into Providence, Providence, that's going to be a tough game for them. Um, I think if they beat up on them, they'll be feeling pretty good. You talked about the mini rivalry brewing between Providence and UConn. Mini is the wrong word. My, my mistake. The rivalry brewing between those two. They play each other late in the season. Come on. Come on. That's got to be the pick. Yeah. That's the pick. Yeah. That game's going to be awesome. That, and that's I already used that one for UConn, so I didn't. That's why I picked the Providence-Xavier game, because it's at home, and the last time they met there was the triple overtime game. So I think we got a rivalry brewing between those two at this point. Uh, you guys both gave your Xavier ones the Xavier-Providence. So we all picked that one. My Xavier pick is their game at Marquette on 215 the day after Valentine's Day. I think that one is very, very interesting. Their first meeting was close. And now they got to go play at Marquette without Zach Fremantle. I want to see how Xavier looks in that environment without him. 
it's a game they could win, but I want that's a good test of where they're going to be at that point. Well, let's finish up here with Marquette going around the table. Michael, you're the guest, so we'll start with you. Most important game for the Golden Eagles. Uh, same game you picked for Xavier. I think it's a Xavier game. Uh, that game should be fun. Again, two great offenses. Hopefully, Cam Jones is back by that time. Did Cam Jones play last game? Sorry, I was. Yeah, and yeah, he had he a good. he had a moonshot uh, half court buzzer beater. I did see that. I yeah. Brain didn't click together. He he's not working on uh, all cylinders. <laughs> but yeah, that's the game. That game's gonna be electric. Uh, yeah, that's the pick. Sweet. And Tommy. I mean, yeah, that's the obvious pick, but that's not mine. I'm between the. I, I'm gonna have two here. Uh, little fun ones. I they played Georgetown and they played DePaul. Um, both teams don't really play like defense at all against Marquette's offense. That's going to be so much fun to watch. Marquette, I think they're comfortably in the top one, two teams, one or two seed in the Big East tournament. Let's have some fun. Uh, I'm going to go with Georgetown. No, I'm going to go with DePaul. That, that's going to be it's going to be a fun one. Interesting, interesting. I'm going to wrap up here with Marquette at UConn. Because Xavier swept UConn, I want to see. That's why I have I have this here for Providence, and I have this here for Marquette. Um, or we we sorry, I had it here for there for UConn. But those if if one of the other teams at the top can sweep UConn here, I think that's interesting. Marquette at UConn, that's two seven. So that's next week. We're gonna get that one right around the corner here. I think it's a very interesting one. We just threw a lot of information at you, a lot of dates. I hope it all made sense. Hopefully, you got something out of that. You have some games to, to look at down the stretch here in the Big East. That's Michael DeRosa. That's Tommy Godin. I pointed in the wrong direction because this is mirrored. Uh, <laughs> we will we'll see you guys Monday night to talk about some Big East action. Uh, if you're listening to this live, we're going to have a show, a special episode for you guys Friday morning. So you should have a couple episodes in the feed. Well, an interview coming for you. So make sure to be on the lookout for that. We have some good content coming your way. We'll have a live show on Monday. And, uh, yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening. Follow, subscribe. And we will see you on Monday.